If you can, please come on camera. It'd be a great thing to see your face. Praise God. Hey, over here. Praise God. Hit the shop. All right. Hey, hey. All right. All right. All right. Good to see you, Emma. All right. Yes. All right, everybody. Good to see you. Good to see you. Good to see you. Glory be to God. All right. So we're going to uh, jump right in. Great word today, uh, Elder Davenport. Great word today. <laughs> um, we're going to jump right in. Um, this is day uh, four fasting, and we want to look at alignment. Um, so uh, word of prayer. So, Father, we love you and we trust you. We know that you are with us. We know that you are able to do exceeding and abundant of all we can ask or think by your power that work within us, the power of your precious Holy Spirit. Now, God, in your omnipotence and your omniscience and your omnipresence, Father, we pray that you will sit down upon your people and cause the shift and the alignment and the realignment to occur that is mandated for their lives in this season, that the winds of heaven will push them and shift them and lock them in and align them, Father God, with your will for their lives. In this season, in Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. And do not fight the wind. Do not fight the wind. A lot of times we're out in the windstorm or rainstorm. We're pushing against the wind and we're pushing with our umbrellas. God says, do not fight the wind. Even if the wind is pushing you in a direction, the wind of the Holy Spirit, a direction you feel that is not going in the way you want to go. Do not fight the wind of the Holy Spirit, said the Spirit of grace. Hallelujah. So we are looking at alignment. We're looking at alignment. Please take out something to write on the right with if you have the opportunity to alignment. Alignment is the is actually defined as the arrangement of groups or forces in relation to one another. And we're looking at Matthew 6.33, and I'll get to that in a moment. Alignment is also defined as a state of agreement or cooperation. And this state of agreement or this cooperation can come among Persons, groups, nations, etc., with a common cause or viewpoint. When we look at alignment, a lot of times we hear alignment as people, as men, as women, as drivers, when we say, oh, you need a wheel alignment. Why? Because your wheels may be out of balance for your car. And so what happens, you get, you get realigned. Your car tires get realigned. Uh, realignment is basically to bring back in balance, to bring in sync. So when we bring over, when we're bringing over our wheels into alignment, it allows the car to ride and move without the wobbling, without being out of balance. And we don't realize how much our cars could be out of balance. And sometimes they even rotate the tires. So when, we, when we're talking about bringing things into balance, we're talking about bringing over our will in alignment with the will of God. And that is the short and log of alignment, but I'm going to go into the scriptures and just bring some um, context to this. Uh, the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew is one of the synoptic Gospels, um, and we know that there's, you know, several of them. Each of them share the same good news of Jesus Christ, but with a different focus or theme. 
We know that Matthew, uh, Mark is, for example, is written to the servants to show Jesus Christ as a servant, written to the Gentiles to show Jesus Christ as a servant. We know the gospel of John shows Jesus as the son of God. But when we look at the gospel of Matthew, it is the good news of Jesus Christ, but with a different focus or theme than the other ones. The focus in the, of the gospel of St. Matthew, the focus is on the Jewish community. And when we look at the, the gospel of St. Matthew, the theme of Matthew is to show that God has kept his promise of old to the people of Israel, that the Mashiach or the Messiah will come and that he has come in the person of Jesus Christ. We want to begin looking at Matthew chapter 6 by first looking at the Gospel of St. Matthew chapter 5, because like we said before, a lot of times the church fathers put verses and chapters together to help us. But when we look at the context of the text, oftentimes we see that the chapters and the verses are breaking up a flow of things that have occurred. And when we look at the Gospel of St. Matthew chapter 5, it begins with what we commonly know as the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus gives his world-renowned message of the Beatitudes. You know the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So Jesus, on the on on Sermon on the Mount, he's starting in chapter 5, and he's going in on the Beatitudes. And he starts out his sermon with the Beatitudes. So he was rocking the place. And then as you go down, verse 13, has a topic of salt and light. Verse 17, the fulfillment of the law. Then you have topics like murder, adultery, starting at verse 27, divorce, starting at verse 31, oaths, different oaths that we make, eye for an eye, the love for enemies, verse 43. And then it goes into chapter six. Chapter six begins more of, with more of the sermons from the Sermon on the Mount. So if you look, it goes right into giving to the needy. And then it goes into prayer and fasting. So we see that chapter six is actually a continuation of chapter five of Jesus preaching his world-renowned Sermon on the Mount, and he's going in. As a matter of fact, he's going so far in that this Sermon on the Mount don't finish, doesn't finish until chapter eight, where he says, um, when Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. So this is like, five, six, seven, eight, like three or four chapters of Jesus preaching. But when we get to chapter six, which is our chapter in the middle of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, we get down to verse 25. And Jesus begins to preach and teach about worrying, why we shouldn't worry and how not to worry. So this is where our text is found. This is where our text is found. So in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about not worrying. And the first question that comes to mind for me is why? Because worrying is a human reaction to overthinking, which we all know. The dictionary defines worrying as to torment oneself or suffer from disturbing thoughts. Let me say that again. When we worry, it is defined as tormenting oneself or suffering from disturbing thoughts. Jesus, 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 help us, help us. So why is this so important? Because God even knows, and we know too, that our thoughts determine our actions. 
And if I have thoughts that are tormenting me, if I have thoughts that are causing me to suffer, those thoughts are now going to provoke me to an action that's going to be non-productive or non-cooperating with God's will for my life. So because we know and God knows that our thoughts determine our actions, everything, everything that we're doing in this life as Christians and as believers begins with the mind. It begins with the mind. Scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians 2.5, and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Philippians 2.5 says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We see the essence and we see the necessity of focusing on the mind. Why? Why is that important? Because God wants us to work on our mental alignment and align our thinking to his. When we don't think like God thinks, then we torment ourselves possibly by going down the corridor of worry. When we don't make ourselves and bring in captivity of those thoughts the way God thinks, then we run the risk of suffering from our mental processing. Remember, alignment is defined as a state of agreement or cooperation. Are we cooperating and agreeing with our thoughts and aligning them to God's thoughts? Are our thoughts in agreement with God's thoughts? Are our Thoughts cooperating with God's thoughts? Or are we fighting God in our mental capacity? Are we having doubts and fears that are rolling into worry that is tormenting us or causing us to suffer because we don't have the proper mindset? Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Pastor Claudia spoke about last night that there's a mental response to things, when we get into a place, we either uh, fight, freeze, you know. So with the mental state that we're in, we can literally freeze ourselves or cause ourselves to run away from what God wants to do for us. Freeze yourself that you can't get into God's will. Flight, run, and you're running away from God's will. The mental capacity. The mental capacity. So now I want to look very quickly at, well, let me say one more thing about the mind. <laughs> That's why, again, like Pastor Claudine, even overseas has said, we have to make sure that we're giving ourselves the right and feeding ourselves the right thought, the right messages. Are we encouraging ourselves? Are we feeding ourselves at the beginning of the day, in the morning when we have our devotion time? Are we waiting for the day to go on and something to happen for us to start thinking a certain way? Or are we initiating, putting forth, intentionally dictating our mindset at the inception of the day? Are we pulling up scripture? Are we reinforcing what God says to us? Oh, I'm holy. I'm righteous. I'm just. I'm anointed. 
Are we speaking into ourselves those things that God has called us to set our minds, to align our minds with his mind? Remember, regardless of what you did last night or what you did yesterday or what you did this afternoon, God has not changed his mind about you. But what happens is when we do something wrong, when we have said the wrong thing, when we have acted the wrong way, we begin to change our thoughts about ourselves. And when we change our thoughts about ourselves, we begin to shift our mind away from the mind of God. But I don't feel good, but I shouldn't have said that. Oh, man, I feel so bad about that. Change your mindset. You can feel any way you want to feel, but don't forget who you are. Don't forget who God has called you to be. It's not about a feeling. It's about remembering and thinking the way God thinks about you. Let me keep going. So we're going to look at verses, Matthew chapter 6, and our verse is 33. But I want to lead in by going in with verse 25. Let's start there for a moment. Uh, do not worry. I'm looking at the New King James Version. It says there, therefore, I say unto you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It's not life more than food and a body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. Hmm, hmm. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature or add years to his life? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the litters of the field, how they grow, the flowers they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothed the grass, the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O oh, you of little faith, therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows your need, knows you need all of these things. So when reading verse 25 to 32, these needs all have to deal with the body. What you're going to put on? what you're going to put on your body and what you're going to put in your body. Because I might say that what I'm going to put on my body and what I'm going to put in my body. Jesus is saying, don't worry about what you're going to put on your body or what you're going to put in your body. Because he, at the end of the day, that is where the stress, the anxiety, the grief comes from. Am I going to have clothes to wear? Are my clothes going to be cleaned? I have to go to work. What am I going to wear? Oh, what am I going to eat? I have no food in the refrigerator. I haven't gone grocery shopping. What am I going to drink? When we consume ourselves with what we're going to put on the body or what we're going to put in the body, the body now becomes God. When in fact, what we should be concerned about or focused on is what am I going to put on my spirit man, the armor of God, the armor of God, Ephesians, and what am I going to put in my spirit man? I'm going to feed myself the word of God. I'm going to consume the word of God. I'm going to meditate and chew on his word. 
So when we look at the scripture now, let's go back to verse 33, which is our text. It says there, but, and we know the word but, right? How uh, I many you remember this? Conjunction, junction, what's your function? <laughs> Working out said words and phrases and sentences like conjunction, junction, what's that function? I got and, but, and or would take you pretty far, right? <laughs> I can't say resume, but we know that the word but is a conjunction, which means that there's something before it and there's something after it that the word but is connecting it. So when we look at the word but, it's saying but, Considering everything we just said, considering everything we talked about, about the need, about worrying about the need of the body and what you're going to put on it and what you're going to put in it, look what Jesus is connecting to that thought. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. But all these things, needs, concerns shall be added to you. But what does he want us to do first? But first seek. Seek first the kingdom of God. That word seek there means, of course, first. Require. Sorry, not first. The word seek there means require, demand, or crave. Are you craving? Are you demanding? Are you requiring the kingdom of God in your life? I crave food. I crave a nice outfit. I demand service. I require. But am I doing that for the kingdom of God? So seek, require, demand, crave first, chiefly, principally. And this is the thing I like about the word first when it says seek, require, demand, crave first. It's saying, Crave it or seek it or demand it first. Or in other words, the principal thing in time or place. So when we say first, we're talking about the principal thing, the chief thing in time or place. And or in other words, I need to make sure that I'm craving, no matter what time it is, the kingdom of God. I don't care if it's time to eat. I don't care if it's time to go to work. I don't care if it's time to get paid. I should be craving the kingdom of God. And a ghost or place, no matter where I am. If I'm out with my friends, if I'm out with my unbelieving friends, if I'm out in the community, I can have a demand and a requirement of me to crave the kingdom of God. Are we allowing ourselves to be so distracted that in the middle of an activity, in the middle of an event, in the middle of a game, you know, I like watching football, that we are craving so much the energy from that thing that we are missing the chief thing, which is the kingdom of God. And then it says kingdom. Now, the thing I found interesting about seeking first the kingdom of God, when it says kingdom there, it is, it, it means, it actually means royal power. Kings, kingsmen, kingship, rulership. Kingdom is not to be confused with an actual kingdom, but rather the right or authority to rule over 
a kingdom. Let me say that again. When it says seek ye first the kingdom, it's not saying kingdom like an actual kingdom or place. It's really talking about, but the right or the authority to rule over a kingdom. What are you saying, pastor? I'm saying that God wants you to seek first. And Jesus said it here, Matthew, seek ye first the right to rule. Seek ye first the authority to rule. Seek ye first the royal power of God and his righteousness. Hmm. Well, let me piece that together. Because of who you are, because of who God called you to be, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar person. Once you said, I do to God, like we married people have said at the altar to our spouses. Once you said, I do to God by confessing your faith, Jesus, I confess you as my Lord. And I believe in my heart that you are alive, that you are a risen savior. Once you made that confession of faith and turn your life over to God, you are now a different creation. You now have dialed it back to what God initially designed and desired for you to be. And so because of that, you're supposed to be walking, not just in power, but with power. Not just in authority, but with authority. You are a royal priesthood. You have the right to rule. You have the authority to rule and call those things that not as though they are in your home, with your children, on your job, in your community. If you see something that's not right, you have your righteous authority and power to speak to it because you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. My little kids used to laugh at me all the time. Every time we're driving down the road, and I see an accident or somebody pulled over or I see an ambulance going in the other direction. I extend my hand. I say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I decree peace and safety to those police officers. And I decree that that ambulance, that situation be resolved in Jesus name. And my kids were young back then. And they said, Daddy, you don't even know in that car next door. Daddy, you don't even know who's driving the other direction. It don't matter. I have authority and I have the right to rulership and power because I'm a new creation, because you are a new creation in God. You have to know the authority and power that you have. That's why Bible says, that's why Jesus says, seek you first this rulership, this authority, this power to rule over a kingdom. Not a kingdom, but the power and authority to rule over a kingdom, because you have to know who you are. And if you know who you are, you're not going to worry. This may be a bad example, but you know the people who have authority are some of the last people really to worry? The President of the United States, he ain't worrying about what he's wearing. He ain't worrying about what he's eating. He has authority. If Barack Obama or now the new president now wanted something because of his authority, he could call for it and it comes. How much more can you do? Can't you just, you should be able to know that you could just call something and it comes. Just like the president of a company, just like the president of the United States, because you have authority. You have the right, you have the authority because it comes from God. So seek ye first 
the right to rule. Seek ye first the authority to rule, the world power to rule in God. Notice what it says there. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the royal rulership and power of God. Notice the authority, the rulership, the righteous authority, that all comes of God. Not of yourself, not of your money, not of your wits, your brains, your smarts. No, no, no. Of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the right or the authority to rule that comes of God. Now notice the second part, and then I'm going to be done. Eight minutes. And but seek ye first the kingdom, righteous authority, rulership of God, and his righteousness. Jesus was masterful. Why did he say, and his righteousness? He could have just left it there, the kingdom of God. No, he said his righteousness because in order to have, I'm getting ahead of myself. What does righteousness mean? Very simply, righteousness is to be in right standing with God. I am considered righteous because I'm in right standing. I'm in good standing with God. Not about based on anything I've done, but based upon the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and that I've accepted him as my Lord and Savior. I am now righteous in God because of what the work that Jesus has done. So that righteousness puts me in right standing with God. Can somebody say that? I am righteous, so I am in right standing with God. So when I look up the word righteousness in the original language, you know what it means? Integrity, value, purity of life, righteous, correctness of the thinking and feelings and action of an individual. So when you are righteous, right standing with God, you are correct in your thinking, feeling, and Thing in God. Remember we said before, your thoughts determine your actions? Jesus knew that back then too. When you are righteous, you have integrity, you have value, you have purity of life, and you have correctness in your thinking and feeling and acting in God. Jesus. So notice what Jesus is saying here. I want you to seek first the kingdom, rulership, authority of God and his righteousness. His integrity, his correct thinking, feeling, and acting. Because when I have both the righteous authority, the, the authority, the power of God, and then I have the righteousness, the integrity, notice what I have. I have the best of both worlds. And now I am balanced. Because if I just had the the the, the righteous, the, the right authority, the 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 Royal power, I may get ahead of myself because I think I'm all that. Or if I just had the integrity and the correct thinking and feeling, I, I, I may love God and have a real nice heart and a good heart, but I may be get walked over. I may not be able to get things done the way I need to get done because I'm so nice. But when I have the righteous power, the royal power, the right authority, and then the righteousness was in the integrity I have the best of both worlds, and now I'm balanced. I'm not thinking too big or heavy about myself in terms of my power and my authority, and I'm not thinking too less of myself because I'm so nice. I have this integrity. I have to correct thinking and feeling. I'm letting things get things happening and people get over on me. No, 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 no. I have a balance. 
I have the authority to rule that comes from God. And I have the integrity, correct thinking and feeling and acting that comes from God. And that's why Jesus said, seek ye first these things that will keep you balanced. And then once you are balanced, yes, all these things shall be added unto you. Because I have a balance in my life that allow things to come and sit and be stable. Let me let, put it like this. So, overseers, our foundation, God put him in place to rule and pastor the church. So, he's the foundation. Everything sits on him. God feeds into him the nutrients, the, everything into his soil. He is the foundation of Family Life Worship Cathedral. He is the pastor. Anything that we're going to build out of the church comes out of our leader. So overseer speaks, right? Pastor Jeremiah speaks. Pastor Claudine speaks, right? What are we doing? Elders speak. Deacons speak. Members speak. And what are we doing? We're laying on top of the foundation that overseer has laid as the foundation and notice, we're able to do that because overseer is balanced, is there. He knows his authority and power, and he has an integrity, right? Correct thinking, feeling, acting. So we can build and lay things there. All things can be added. So, so figure this. If we are not balanced, and now we're trying to add things, once we add it, it's going to slide off. We got too much of this. Add it, it slides off. It's only when we're balanced that we can add things and they stay. We must align our mind with God's mind. And in order to do that, we must have the authority, the right, the, the righteous authority, the, the, the powerful authority, the royal power that we're seeking after, as well as the integrity that would keep us balanced and allow us to hold on and stabilize whatever God wants to put on, whatever God wants to add. He can add it because we're stable, because we're balanced. So I'm gonna read it again, one last time. And when I read it one last time, hear it within the context of what we just shared. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Are you missing some things in your life? Go back and check. Are you craving and seeking first Priority, God's royal power, kingship, dominion, and rulership, and his integrity, correct thinking, feeling, and acting. And watch, when you crave those things, first, you set a foundation for yourself. And then watch things just come start adding on you. Money, business, jobs, opportunities. Why are they adding? Because God says you're ready now because you're balanced. And we have alignment with our thinking, with his thinking.
alignment brings us into balance and balance allows us to receive what we need from the Lord. God bless you. And Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace and your mercy and your loving kindness. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity during this time of fasting to be aligned and align our will with your will by adhering to what Jesus said and seeking, craving, desiring first in time and place, regardless of time and place, your kingdom and your righteousness so we can be balanced and receive those things we need in this season. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Thank Pastor. you. Awesome teaching, Pastor Jeremiah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Good night, everyone. Good night. Thank you. Good night. God bless. Good night, everyone. Night, night.